Welcome everyone to Talking Paranormally. I'm your host and one half of Ghostly Podcast, Pat Harrington. Today on Talking Paranormally, we will be talking about the scariest places on earth, which are cemeteries. And I don't need to hear myself. That's great. Um, so let's get to know our awesome panelists a little bit. With me, as always, is the yin to my yang, Rebecca Rivers. Rebecca is also a host and resident believer of Ghostly Podcast. She has been interested in the paranormal and all things spooky since childhood. Rebecca is also the host of the Walking Dead podcast on the DVMPE network and can be heard on multiple memoriam development podcasts, including Freak of the Week and Mr. Wiggly's Moist and Happy Friendship Garden, and I believe one time on Bob After Dark. Uh, Rebecca received her master's degree in English literature from DePaul University and loves sharing creepy bedtime stories on Ghostly's YouTube channel. So, hey, Rebecca. Hey. Very excited to be here. Next up, next up is the man who puts the Bob in Bob After Dark, Mr. Bob Anderson. Bob is the host of the paranormal podcast, Bob After Dark. He has been a paranormal enthusiast since he was a wee little lad. Bob has dabbled in many aspects of the spooky world from both research and investigations. Bob is sort of a Swiss army knife in the occulty world knowing a bit about not only ghostly hauntings, but cryptozoology and demonology. Bob also helps people with any sort of paranormal phenomena that they may be experiencing, and sometimes he actually does some IT work as well. Hey, Bob. Hey, Pat. I'm a little, uh, you know, I'm a little grumpy. You said Rebecca was the yin to your yang. You didn't call me like the peanut butter or your jelly or the, uh, you know, the butter on your toast, man. Oh, you're something. You're something. But I'm not allowed to diss my awesome panelists here. Um, then we are going to go with Jack Chavez. We met Jack first at the Southside Podfest, and he's been a very important member of our Ghostly Society and a guest on our Lincoln Park episode. Jack Chavez was born and raised in Chicago. He received his bachelor's degree in anthrop- anthro- excuse me, anthropology and a minor in history. He has collaborated with Mutual UFO Network's Illinois State Director Sam Maranto, Chicago's Northside prominent medium Christine Zenio. He has also consulted for Discovery Channel's Expedition X, as well as the CW Network show Mysteries Decoded. He has investigated several haunted locations in the Midwest. He's co-piloted several ghost tours and interviewed several witnesses to apparitions, Sasquatch, Mothman, angels, fairies, alien beings, time slips, and more. I don't know if there could be more. Uh, His interests are theology, physics, literature, and earth science. Here's a fun fact about Jack. Uh, He gives a polite nod to the neighborhood cats because he feels like they judge him as he walks by. Hey, Jack, thanks for being on the show. Uh, Unfortunately, I think we've had some tech issues, and I'm not sure if we can hear... Jack, oh, wait, are you there? There he is. Wait. Hello? Hey, hey there he is. Welcome Hello. to Talking Paranormally. <laughs> uh, and finally, we have yeah. Scott Larson. 
we first met Scott at C2E2 when he uh, led an amazing panel that discussed some uh, Chicago gangsters and hauntings. Mm -hmm. He's also a highlight for me at every C2E2 that I've gone to. Scott Larson is a native Chicagoan and is a graduate of Loyola University of Chicago, as well as the American Academy of Art Chicago. He's a historian, religious education teacher, and an artist, best known for his work in advertising and the comic book industry. He is currently the creator and artist of the graphic novel series Visitations. Visitations is the history of Chicago as seen through the eyes of the residents of the city's oldest cemetery. Hey, Scott, welcome to Talking Paranormally. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, so uh, I thought that in between hand, I am going to say a quick little fact about cemeteries and then we could just launch into our stories here. Um, the way that this show works is each panelist will tell us about a cemetery that they have chosen to talk about. Then we will open that story up to the rest of the panel, and uh, then we will eventually ask YouTube and our Zoom uh, attendees, which we have a few, um, for questions or anything that people would have to say, comments, questions, concerns maybe even. <laughs> Uh, I have often thought that a graveyard and a cemetery are just interchangeable terms, but I was wrong. Today, a cemetery refers to a large burial ground, typically not associated with the church. The first citation in the Oxford English Dictionary, Rebecca, I know that's one of your favorites. Love the OED. Yeah, uh, for graveyard comes from 1767. And a graveyard is typically smaller than a cemetery and is often associated with the church. So it's part of a churchyard. Who here knew that? Well, I did just because. Oh, Scott. Of course, Scott knows. Scott, I was going to say, I, Scott knew that. <laughs> Scott knows everything, I think. Um, so, okay. So we're going to start. We're going to start with Scott. Uh, Scott, you're going to be talking about uh, Rose Hill Cemetery. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. We heard a little bit about it in C2E2. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, well, you know, um, I grew up, when I grew up in Chicago, I grew up in the Bowmanville neighborhood. And Rose Hill Cemetery was basically my, uh, it was in my front yard. I could almost see it from the front yard. And uh, it was one of those places where I'd been a couple times, but one of the things that I noticed about it was it seemed as if any hauntings that happened kind of happened around the cemetery as well as inside of it. And um, just to give a little bit of history about Rose Hill Cemetery, it was founded in 1859. It is the largest cemetery in Chicago. It encompasses four, four different neighborhoods, um, Andersonville, Lincoln Square, I'm sorry, three neighborhoods, uh, Andersonville, Lincoln Square, and Edgewater. And um, it had been an area that was uh, known as Rose's Hill. And uh, the, the, the area was owned by a farmer named Hiram Rose. And uh, it was the largest, um, or it was the highest altitude in, in the Chicago land area. It wasn't quite Chicago when, um, when the city uh, purchased it as a cemetery. And they, they purchased it, sorry, because it was so far away from the city limits. And that's where they were putting like the diseased bodies of, um, of typhoid and cholera and epidemics. Um, and, you know, as you know, we're in the middle of an epidemic now, but this stuff was a little bit 
uh, heavier than, than what we're dealing with. So they wanted the bodies as far away from Chicago as possible. So um, it was really, it was designed to be a, a landscape memorial park, state of the art. And it became a popular spot for picnics and parties in the late 19th century. And it was so popular that people walking into the cemetery had to show ID in order to show that uh, they had relatives buried there. And um, just as a, as a point of fact, they're, they're kind of doing that now as well. Um, oh, interesting. The COVID epidemic started, you're supposed to have a, um, you're supposed to have um, you're, you're supposed to call ahead in order to go and visit a loved one. You know, they're doing funerals, but they've, they've attempted to block off all the secret entrances in and out. Um, and, and I'm going to swerve away from the history real quickly. Um, the other day I was out walking and I don't live that far away from Rose Hill now. And I was walking and, and there's three different, there's three public entrances. And then there's a couple of like, unknown secret entrances to the place. And um, as I was as I was walking down Ravenswood Avenue, which is where the main entrance is, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just cross through the cemetery. I'll visit my great grandfather who's buried there. And then I will just kind of go on with my with my walk. And I walked in and I had the the groundskeeper come up and tell me that the place closed at five. It was like three forty five. And I said, oh, well, I'll, I'll be out by then. And I said, what time does the gate over on Western close? And he says, it's closed all the time now. Mm -hmm. And so I walked about 10 feet and then this lady pulled over in a car and she said, we're, we're closing. And I said, well, the other guy said five o'clock and she said, no, four o'clock. And she called in and they basically kicked me out. Wow. Because she didn't want me to get stuck in the cemetery. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, lady, I grew up here. <laughs> be stuck in the cemetery I know like three different ways out <laughs> but um but and, and just really quickly before I start going into any haunted stuff so um two of the ways in are um and, and I'm gonna tell this because they're they've blocked them off but um they're right over on on Bowmanville and there are these gates that were rusted open mm. and so once COVID hit Rose Hill decided that they were going to close everything up, but instead of closing the gates, they put like the police tape around it, which just drew attention to it. And I actually thought about going there at night, putting the haunted like zombie tape up. Just kind of, like, <laughs> but they, they have closed it, closed them. I don't know if they're locked. My assumption is there is. There's also, um, there, there, and I always tell this story um, when I'm telling haunted stories, but I'm, I'm going to dispense with that for right now. There, with Rose Hill, there, there's a fence that's like really, really high, and they, they gave uh, part of the cemetery to the city. So they took some of the cemetery grounds, and when they did that, they removed the big gate and they put a small gate. And so um, the smaller gate probably goes up to like maybe my stomach. And, uh, and there was this gap in between, this like gigantic gap. When I went running by today, there was um, a piece of wood covering that gap in between. Like you couldn't just hop mm. over the other thing. But anyway, wow. um, so they're trying to make sure that nobody goes in there. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because they're always aware of the ways in and out. Um, but Rose Hill is really weird. I, I find that um, 
I tend to be very skeptical when it comes to haunted stuff. And it's, and I do a, uh, a, a haunted comic book, which isn't real ghosts, just in case um, I didn't want to kick them off. I didn't want them to come after mm-hmm. me. But, good, good, um, good idea. <laughs> the thing about Rose Hill is I've cut through there numerous times, especially over the course of the past few years. And it's very creepy feeling. I got lost in there once, and it is the largest cemetery in Chicago, and that might have accounted for part of it. But I, I got lost in there. I felt like I was being watched. Um, at one point, I was walking through, through where the graves were, and my feet started sinking into the ground. Uh, wow. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of an unsettling place. It doesn't feel good. And it's Scripture Cemetery is uh, Graceland Cemetery over in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago. And that one feels a little bit friendlier. But there's something, there's, there's something raw about Rose Hill. There, there's something not right about it. And it's like I said, I tend to be skeptical, but, but the feelings of the place... Are, are very are very odd. So there are a couple of, a couple of haunted stories. One is um, Richard Warren Sears, the founder of the now defunct Sears department store. Um, he's buried there, and he's been seen like he's been seen all over the place. I, I understand you guys had Ursula Belsky on a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. We um, did, yeah. He I don't know if she mentioned the story, but when she got married, she took a she they went to the cemetery to like take their wedding pictures. And um, both of Richard Warren Sears like ended up in the back of one of the pictures. Whoa! And so he's been seen like going through the mausoleum, and um, there are there are a number of paranormal experts in Chicago, and there was there's um, there's one lady who uh, went and did in in the mausoleum, and she said that there were they could hear voices. You could hear voices saying, get out, and I hate you, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very, very, very odd place. The other thing is the um, the child who was killed during the Leopold Loeb uh, case in the 1920s. Do you guys know that? I, I have heard the story, yeah. I have not. Uh, Leopold and Loeb um, were, these two, were these two college students. I think they were at uh, University of Chicago. And they decided that it would be a great experiment to like kill somebody. And so they found this kid on the street and, and they murdered him. And wow. um, Yikes. buried in Rose Hill. Actually, if you've seen the movie Rope with Jimmy Stewart, it's yes. based on that. Huh. I love that movie. Isn't it a great film? So good. It's really for, for a movie that doesn't do anything, and there's no explosions or action. It was. It's like a single shot, essentially. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. So he's been seen in the cemetery. Apparently, his um, his spirit disappeared when there there were the the two boys who killed him, or the two college students. Um, I think one of them died in prison, and then the other one like was actually let out. I think he died in like the seventies, like seventy three or something like that. Wow. And, um, and this little boy was seen in the cemetery up until the point where the other killer had died, and then he disappeared. Nobody's seen him since. Wow. Maybe because they got justice. Then. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. Um, we, we did have a YouTube question from yeah. Robert Irving. 
is your feeling more of a dark energy feeling at Rose Hill or just a feeling of being watched? Uh, the way I would describe that, Robert, is I would describe it as an unsettling feeling. I think that um, when, when it comes to feelings and energies and emotions and things like that, sometimes you can't really put them into words. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the way I would describe that. You know, walking through there, there's something that just feels off. Um, but, but that's I, not, yeah, I can't really put it into words. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We just don't have words for it. Right. Yeah. So wow. does any other panelist have any questions? For I, Scott? I do actually. Awesome. I, um, I'm going to be honest. I've never actually been to that cemetery before. So I was listening to what you were saying. And one of my favorite things to do about cemeteries is find out who's buried there. Mm -hmm. And I know um, you were saying the Sears family is there. But right. there is a there is a famous couple of names there. One of which being um, Oscar Meyer. Right. And, wow. Well, yeah, and I was curious if you know of any other stories about some of the uh, celebrity people that are hanging out there. And then I was also going to ask you about the um, the Lulu Fellows um, in Case Statue there, and if you knew anything about that, because I'm only seeing like a blurb about it, and it seems really eerie just looking at it yeah um I've, i i've gone past so as far as other um as far as other uh famous people haunting the place you know oscar meyer is buried there george bell swift is buried there um levi boone is buried there you know these were all like famous names in chicago and there's there's a survivor of the titanic disaster who's buried there wow. huh. um but it didn't this, survive too long after that, then. Well, <laughs> it was over a hundred years ago. Wow. Um, but as far as famous famous ghosts like like uh, Richard Sears, no, he had a um, he had a, a rival, and I'm and I'm trying to blank on who it was, um, and I'm not going to say like Montgomery Ward because that would be like telling a tale that probably isn't the truth but um yeah. but he had a marshall field right well marshall field is over in uh graceland actually graceland oh yeah yeah that would make sense but um but i i the the sense i got was that richard warren sears and his rival were both seen walking around there and they could hear wow. how um now i i'm guessing at that that's you know it's kind of like the story you were telling earlier where I was like, well, that rings a bell. That's what's kind of ringing a bell with me. Um, with Lulu Fellows, I've seen her. I mean, I've wow. actually, I, I've been by that statue and um, it, it's really interesting. And I'm gonna go that real quick because there's a little girl statue in Graceland too. Yes, that's- and The thing with, with uh, Lulu Fellows is you go, you go in and you see her and she's, I mentioned that I got lost in the cemetery once. When I got lost, I ended up in front of her, in front of her, um, her statue. And what it is is people smell roses around her statue. Okay. And that's wow. a sign that they're being visited by somebody. Um, the thing that I find a little unsettling about it is, and especially in comparison with the little girl who's in Graceland Cemetery, is the Graceland Cemetery one. Um, she's actually been seen running around. The cemetery 
but uh-huh. her, her statue is like right there out in the open and it's it is. and everything else with Lulu Fellows um, she's kind of like off the beaten track and mm-hmm. there's like trees and she's kind of like in this weird area um, and there's the, there are these holes in the side of the casing because the, a lot of these statues have cases around them to prevent them, prevent them from leaving. No, um, <laughs> yeah. um and uh, and the elements from destroying the statues. So um, I said that all wrong. The casings are there to just to prevent the uh, the elements from destroying the statues. However, there's condensation that happens within these casings, and so the Lulu Fellows one has this this, uh, this circle on the side. And it's got like little vents on it, and people have been like shoving money in there. That's so wow. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the photo it, now, and there are a ton. There's a ton of money in there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey Scott, I have a question. Yeah. Um, so, so you're a comic book artist, and uh, and and you said that sometimes you're a little bit more on a on the skeptical side of of you know in terms of ghosts and the paranormal. Um, well, fellow fellow comic book artist um, Grant Morrison talked about um, sigils. Uh, he he did a lot for uh, Batman. He yeah. talked about like sigils and creating sigils. And when you create sigils, you you know you manifest uh, archetypes. Do you think that uh, when you create these graphic novels, which I have read your graphic novels, or or, or you know I um, I have one actually. It's it's really good. Um, They're really good. When you when you create these. Uh, these illustrations. Do you think that you're, you know, tapping into an an archetype, into the archetype of Rose Hill Cemetery? That's a great um, question. You know, I I don't necessarily think that I'm doing that. Um, I think that in some ways, because I'm not a writer, although I'm kind of forced to write. Sure. Um, I, I do think that there there are certain archetypes that that are being followed subconsciously. And I'm not putting as much into the characters as I should be. Um, as far as Grant Morrison is concerned, um, and and signals, um, I think those things. I, I think it's real. Those things are really, really, really interesting. And there was somebody yeah. I found online who would, you know, you write. What basically what it is is, um, in order to create one, you um, you write down what you want. Like say I want a million dollars, and then what you do is you take like different parts of that and you put it within this image, and the 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 words and the letters would be twisted, so you can't really tell what they are, but your subconscious puts it all together. That's the way that's supposed to work, and um, you know it's right. one of those um one of those new age things where it's like our thoughts create our realities. And so your subconscious sees it and it kind of works on that and finds a, finds a way to manifest that into real life. Um, I kind of, and you're supposed to do it with some kind of emotion or, or some, or when you launch your manifestation, you're supposed to do it with, with some kind of emotion and some kind of, um, you know, you give you giving yourself to it to a certain degree. Um, I considered at one point, and I didn't do it, like putting little little ones within the book. Um, but that seemed a little too weird to me, so I didn't do it. Um, but it, it's I, I, it's a really interesting concept. Um, Grant Morrison is very, very odd. 
Um, I've read his book. He's a very, very odd human being. But yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to share some of because some of the watchers may not know about your characters, sure. Scott? Like just a little bit from visitations, kind of like the concept of those. Sure. Well, I can tell a little bit um, how I started the book, and um, what happened was I had mentioned Graceland Cemetery a couple times. Um, I had found out a number of years ago that uh, the Larson family that came from Sweden in the late eighteen hundreds. Um, were the, 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 um, the ancestors are buried in Grayson Cemetery. Wow. And the, the short part of the story, and um, because if I tell you the long thing, we'll be here for days. The short part of the story is I went through the cemetery, and the first thing I saw was um, a statue called Eternal Silence. And it's kind of, the, the statue looks like the specter from uh, DC County. Okay. Yeah. It's really, really cool. It's really interesting. And as I walked through the cemetery, I saw all kinds of very strange uh, monuments. Um, the, the little girl in the case that I had mentioned before, she was one of them. And um, you have know, Daniel Burnham's grave and Potter Palmer's grave. It was all very strange. And I went to bed one night. I woke up uh, the next morning and the plaque for the first issue was in my head. And so the characters are all based on... Um, on different monuments and cemeteries around the world. And so there's there's like a couple of cemeteries, in France there is a monument um, of someone busting out of a tomb. And so I ended up putting that in the book. And um, there, there's one of like some kind of winged creature and so I made it into a horse. There's one of somebody holding a face up. And so I made that into a character as well. And actually, uh, <laughs> You just happen to have one. I just right happen to have my reference there. guide right here behind me. <laughs> um, so, so th this is one of the, the characters. And wow. um, the, the, the monument he's based on wasn't quite as dramatic as that. It was <laughs> boring in, in retrospect because it was just like a handball of this. But, uh, but I thought it was a really, really cool image. Um, I love the red in the background too. Yeah, that's not often a choice for you know people that uh, artists that that do comic books. Uh, I, I stole that from somebody. What? Oh no. man! What? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, so the, when when I did the wing creature, this was so. Yes. Um, but the girl who's it's a winged horse for anyone who can't see it real well. The girl is actually based on a model friend of mine who um, who modeled at a place in a steampunk outfit, and so I kind of borrowed her outfit for the for the book so she's been really excited because i made a doll out of it and she was like oh i'm a doll now and, uh, <laughs> that's so, so awesome very uh, cool and then that character which is basically a skull um that is the some saint's head that's in a museum like in florida or something and um there is this article i found which was like the 13 creepiest um monuments in the world and uh, that's where a lot of this, these characters came from, as well as my trip to Graceland Cemetery. And, um, and, and this, the, the head is like, they, they, it's supposed to be cursed, and it like goes from place to place. Um, I see. And then uh, this one, 
So, so that angel is actually a monument that's in Graceland Cemetery. Right. The, um, that character, that, that muscly thing. Um, there was somebody who had been killed, who had died. And on her gravestone, it said, killed by the beast 666. And I was like, oh, what would that look like? So that was my creation of that. Um, there is a, a little boy playing a pipe. And uh, that's actually a statue in Graceland Cemetery as well. As is the little oh, yeah. behind. Yeah. So I can see why, like, Jack, your question, like, you're almost saying, like, you create these images based on kind of almost some real grave, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, real cemetery right, pieces. Yeah. Like, if you, if that kind of brings stuff to life, you know. Does that be chaos magic? I'm not good at that. It could be. It's yeah, just I, the idea yeah, of, yeah. What's well, the idea of manifesting what you what your thoughts are? Okay. Um, with the characters, they're 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 based on real images. You know, the images mm -hmm. happen to be three dimensional. Um, you know, when when Jack, when you mentioned archetypes, the first thing I think of is uh, is Joseph Campbell, and in the hero's journey, and um, and there's different kind of heroic archetypes and archetypes and uh, and things of that nature, and I'm sure. And once the series is rolling, you'll be able to go back and see that. But I'm not intentionally doing that. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of writing itself in some ways. Interesting. That's really cool. That is yeah. very cool. Well, thanks for uh, sharing well, that. I yeah. think we should move on to, um, well, actually, I have a cemetery fact before we get to uh, Jack here. Um, an east-west orientation for gravestones is the most common throughout the world. I don't know if you guys knew that. After I learned that, I started to realize that they are definitely facing east-west. And it's because early American settlers wanted their feet pointing east and their heads towards the west so that they were ready to rise up and face the sun of a new day when they hoped to be reborn. Wow. When the rural cemetery movement became popular in the 1830s, graveyards were constructed with winding roads, hilly terrain, and stones facing different directions. So, uh, Jack, it's your turn. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> pat fact. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just random facts I have about cool. cemeteries. I have no idea. Uh, so, Jack, uh, you're going to tell us about one of my favorite places, and I believe it is the most haunted place in the world, Bachelor's, uh, Bachelor's Grove. Allegedly most haunted. <laughs> oh, okay, are you joining hashtag Team Skeptic with me here? <laughs> no, it's just you know every everybody says that their you know their nearby location is the most haunted. But I, I yes, Bachelors Grove yeah. is probably one of the most haunted. It is not the most. It's it's up there. It's up there. <laughs> wow. Okay. So um, so Bachelors Grove um, it was that area was first settled in the 1820s by Irish, English, and uh, Scottish settlers. Um, coming from the northeastern United States. And uh, it reached its peak in uh, population in the uh, 1830s. And by 1840s, it was predominantly uh, German, uh, a German population there. So um, the area, or I said, yeah, the, the vicinity right there is, is home to a bunch of different phenomena. Um, you have you have special cars, you have uh, phantom houses, uh, you have uh, balls of light, uh, ghost 
uh, dogs. Um, you have uh, a, a man in yellow. And uh, so one of the most popular one though, ones, though, is the woman in white. Uh, she goes by uh, different names, the uh, lady in white, the Madonna in white. And uh, one of the most famous ghost photographs actually comes from Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. And it was uh, taken by uh, Dale Kaczmarek, who's a, uh, he's a very well-known uh, Chicago ghost researcher, and he runs um, the Ghost Research Society in Chicago. And uh, so this photo was taken in 1991. And it, what it shows is a, a woman, it's a black and white photo, and it shows a woman sitting on a tombstone. And, uh, and it's very clear. It's not like one of those, like, you know, very pixelated ghost photographs. It's actually a very clear photograph of a woman sitting on, a, on one of the tombstones. Um, this photograph has been uh, examined by um, various uh, experts in photography, and it has yet to be debunked. Um, there is one researcher who I actually spoke to, and uh, he's also a, uh, he, his research specializes in um, Bachelor Grove Cemetery, and he is a little bit more skeptical of it, and mm -hmm. I, you know, asked him why, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, he states that he did see, he may have seen, I should say, he may have seen um, some edits to the, to the photograph. Wow. Um, however, however, others have said that, um, there haven't been any edits. Uh, so there really is debate on whether this is an authentic photograph or not. And, you know, I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, put down anybody's uh, reputation. Like it could have been, you know, not edited, but just, you know, uh, angles and shadows. But, um, but again, it is a, a pretty clear photograph. And um, actually... Is that your gut instinct that it is... Um camera angles or is your gut telling you it's real it, it's hard to say because when you have you know decades worth of sightings of a woman in white mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm not sure um, it you know it's really interesting because I tend to lean towards more the accounts than I do the photographs gotcha um, because there's been so many accounts, uh, two of them actually by police officers. Mm -hmm. uh, now, another um, another famous specter is a spec a spectral car. Um, usually, it's a black sedan. Um, so a lot of people have. There is this uh, a well-known story about an, uh, an older couple. They're driving along the road right by the cemetery, and a car comes out of nowhere and crashes into the couple. And they feel the impact, but they're okay. They're able to get out of the car, and when they leave the car, there is no other vehicle. And they saw no vehicle sped off. They didn't hear any vehicle sped off, speed off, I should say. And when they who try to examine the damage of, on their car, there is no damage. Wow. So there have been uh, several other um, incidents in which, you know, somebody will pass a vehicle in their, 
they'll, they'll pass the vehicle, and then when they look in the rearview mirror, the, the vehicle is gone. Or they'll see a vehicle that kind of goes into the cemetery, and then they see it stop. But when, as they get closer, there is no vehicle there. Mm. Now, a researcher who really, you know, popularized um, or put a spotlight on the ghosts of Bachelors Grove, he collected uh, a lot of accounts, is Richard Crow, um, one of Chicago's first ghost researchers. And most famous. Uh, yeah, definitely most famous. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he actually has uh, an account, uh, a personal account. He went to um, kind of look around Bachelors Grove with an author friend of his, uh, Jim Brandon. Uh, and it's really interesting because looking up Jim Brandon, uh, he wrote a book called Weird America, and he wrote a book called The, Re the Rebirth of Pan. And that book uh, combines conspiracy theories, paranormal. So um, they, I, I was looking into some of his work. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, he, he's kind of an odd character himself, Jim Brandon. Um, so uh, Richard Crow and Jim Brandon were, were driving, and they were, you know, uh, Richard Crow was the driver, and they were having a conversation in the car right by Bachelors Grove. They, they leave Bachelors Grove, get in the car, and start driving away. And then Richard Crow sees a car up ahead, and then he sees it disappear. Kind of, he describes that how literally vanishing before him. And Jim Brandon was looking at Richard Crow because they were, you know, in conversation. So when this happened, Jim Brandon didn't see it. And he tells, uh, Richard Crow tells Jim Brandon, hey, did you see that? And Jim Brandon's like, no, I didn't. And Richard Crow describes how, how this, you know, sighting kind of, kind of bothered him for a long time. Uh, a year goes by, actually, and uh, Richard Crow talks about how it's been a while since he passed by uh, the cemetery, and he wanted to pass by the cemetery again. So he drives by, and once again, he sees a car, and when he gets closer, the car disappears. So it, that's, that's an account that I kind of, you know, look at seriously because, you know, <clears throat> Richard Crow was respected in the field. Um, I've met Richard Crow. Uh, he was really nice to me, great guy. Um, so, you know, I, I like to believe that what he saw was, was what he actually saw. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of these stories, to be honest. Um, what do you think about, um, what do you think about the El Capone tie-in to it? Because I know that Carl and Wendy from the Path to Batcher's Grove say that there is no tie-in at all, but it's been exactly. it's synonymous with the story. Yeah, yeah. So for decades, people have been saying that um, that the pond within Bachelors Grove Cemetery, uh, that there's a pond that's actually attached to the cemetery, just literally feet away from the gravestones. Mm -hmm. um, they say that this was a dumping ground for bodies, uh, for uh, victims of the mobsters. Uh, they would drive all the way south to Bachelors Grove and they would dump the bodies there because it's such a, like a tucked, tucked away place that the bodies would be hard to find. Um, there is actually, like you said, Pat, there's actually no evidence of this. 
Um, uh, the Tinley Park Historical Society, they have found uh, accounts uh, dated almost a year apart, 1927 and 1928, to three people uh, being killed within miles of Bachelors Grove. However, it wasn't inside the cemetery, and the bodies were not found in the quarry pond. Um, one of them was um, October 21st, 1927. A woman from Chicago Heights was shot 69 times when she opened the door of her home. Um, about 15 minutes later, the body of a man was found in a ditch at 167th Street and Central Avenue. Um, Again, you know, uh, tragedies, but these weren't tragedies that took place uh, within Bachelors Grove Cemetery. They were a couple miles away, so you know that really wouldn't that really wouldn't um, tie into the uh, to the cemetery itself. Um, yeah, there was only one thing that I heard of that had any substance to it. And uh, I've seen it too. There is someone that found a revolver in the, it's like a lagoonish area while walking down the lagoon, they look down and it's a, it's an old revolver. That's the only tie in. Yeah. Yeah. That was found in uh, 2013. Um, and when they found it, it was like, you could barely recognize it as a gun. I mean, it was clearly a gun, but like it's barely rec recognized as a gun. It's so, it's so degraded. Yeah. Um, yeah, the photographer, Bill S., is the one that, that took that photo. Um, so, you know, what that means, who knows, but there was no bodies that have been found within the pond. Um, there was a, uh, a diver uh, as well, and he went, he went into the pond, and, and uh, people of the uh, – so there's a website called The Path to Bachelors Grove, and these people are part of the Bachelors Grove uh, Restoration Project, and they actually witnessed the man go into the pond. And it said that, because for a long time, we didn't know how deep the pond was. And it actually, the water did not go above his knee. So we know that it wasn't a, uh, a deep pond. So if the mobsters were going to dump bodies there, you would think that they would dump bodies in a deeper pond. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but, we, you know, and, and yet people are still seeing all sorts of phenomena. Um, the woman in white, um, also the, uh, the disappearing uh, farmhouse. Yes. What's really interesting about the yeah. farmhouse is that, so the story is that people will, will go in there and they'll see a farmhouse. And as they get closer to this farmhouse, it moves further and further away, and they're never able to actually reach the patio. Uh, they describe it as like a, like a, a white farmhouse with, with stairs leading up to it. There's even a path that leads up to it. Um, and, uh, but they're never able to actually get there. Um, reports for this uh, are coming even to, to this day. Uh, people of the uh, Bachelors Grove Restoration Project um, they were there at the uh, cemetery, and there was uh, these women that were there, and they were talking about the farmhouse, like uh, they were wondering who lives there or, or is it abandoned. And uh, people of the Bachelors Grove Rest Restoration Project said, there's nobody that lives there. There's no farmhouse. 
And then the people were in disbelief. They're like, oh, no, we, we saw the farmhouse. There is one. And they were like, no, no, you don't understand. That, that house has been, you know, people have been seeing that for decades. And there is no house there. And, you know, the people were like, what? You know, they were really surprised. And um, what's interesting is that for decades, people didn't know that there were settler homes in that area. Yeah, there was uh, a settlement right area. Right, right. They didn't know it was, you know, uh, they were, like Richard Crow and other researchers couldn't find um, document documentation that there were homes right there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until relatively recent, actually, where we found that there were, um, sure enough, there were homes there. So it kind of goes back to the question of, you know, how is it that inanimate objects are being seen in a specter form? You know, it, there's this theory called um, the stone tape theory, and basically it goes like this. It's, it's that, you know, whether it be due to their construction or geological makeup or some other factor, um, areas have a the ability to store energy or psychic impression from from the past, uh, recording recording them in a sense as if images on film. Um, so the idea is that under certain conditions, uh, these events can imprint themselves on the landscape. Um, so you know you got to wonder you know how can that be. You know, what, what, there's this mathematician, Charles Babbage, in 1838, and he talks about how um, the transference of energy between particles, spoken words, could leave permanent impressions in the air itself. So maybe, you know, if air and, and words could do that, um, perhaps objects can do that as well. Again, if the conditions are right, um, maybe there's some sort of... Um, you know, natural depository in the area that allows for energy to be collected, to be absorbed, and to leave imprints. Um, one of the that, other things that's that's often cited in the cemetery is uh, balls of light, yeah. um, blue balls of light, red balls of light, different colors, and they're usually seen, you know, following people or bouncing around the cemeteries. Um, kind of uh, people describe it as dancing. Um, so the idea of, of balls of light, I don't think it's, well, we're, we're entering a, a time in, uh, scientific theory where, where balls of light isn't necessarily paranormal anymore. Um, uh, it, it has been recreated in, in labs and, but there's different theories on what balls of light are. Um, there isn't any one theory, um, some of them is electrically sorry, charged solid core mo- models, um, microwave cavity hypothesis, uh, soliton hypothesis. And if you look at these different theories, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, microwave radiation or electromagnetism. Hmm. And the idea is that you know, there, is a, um, there, is a, there was a researcher, a scientist, his name was uh, Simeon Curlian, and he created Curlian photography in 1960. Basically, what that is is 
when passing a high voltage, low amperage current through an object while it's placed on a on a photograph plate, you could capture its its energy. So let's say you cut the leaf in half and you place it on this uh, photographic plate and you and you run a current through it, it'll still capture the leaf as if the full leaf is there, as if it wasn't cut. And what it's doing, it's, it's capturing the electromagnetic field of that leaf, you know? So a lot of this could be based on in, in science. And that's what I do when I do a lot of paranormal research or investigation. I try to find that hook that could lead back into you know, conventional science, and then go from there. You know, I kind of scratch at it, and could you could could we connect conventional science to uh, this wider phenomenon? Now, people talk about, like I said, these balls of light, you know, dancing on uh, on tombstones or following them. Well, maybe that's just their perception of what's actually happening. The the balls of light, you know, probably doesn't have a consciousness of its own. It's just you know, moving around back and forth, and it looks like dancing. But I think from from all of these uh, reports, you know, that that one could be, you know, we could use that as the hook to get into the other paranormal phenomena in the area. So if there's that many accounts of balls of light in that area, there's something to that environment that's able to produce these uh, these electromagnetic balls. And if that is the case, if this, the environment can do that, perhaps it really could absorb energy and, uh, and leave an imprint of, of houses or, you know, sedans or, or you know, ghostly cars. Uh, that's, that's yeah, we have a question uh, okay. from oh, so, the Zoom or Scott's got a question too. Yeah, I have a question. <laughs> oh, great. Go ahead, Scott. Not the other person do it first. Okay, so we have uh, Jesse Delaman. Uh, sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, it says, what I'm curious about is do spirits manifest vehicles or does a vehicle become a cursed object when involved in a traumatic event? Thus, the soul of a vehicle is tied to the spirit. Yeah, so so maybe, you know, this, this ghostly uh, uh, car, maybe it wasn't even necessarily involved in, uh, in uh, some terrible accident. You know, it could have just, you know, left an impression on the environment, and that's why people, uh, you know, keep seeing it. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But there is something to be said about, you know, violence and, and ghostly phenomena. You know, yes. if, if somebody just ripped away from their life, you know, uh, that energy may, may retain because, you know, it's kind of like uh, if you're in a cave, right, and there's an echo in the cave, and you say something uh, softly, you know, you're going to hear something soft back, but not really too audible. But if you scream, that scream will really project, you know? Yeah. So that, that harshness leaves an imprint. You know, it's well louder. Yeah. That's a really good analogy for that. That's, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Scott, what was your you question? Know, uh, oh, sorry. Um, sorry. Jack, have you been to Bachelor's Grove? I have, yes. Actually, uh, a couple times, and the most recent was actually uh, recently. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, did you see anything there? 
that made an impression on you? I mean, getting away from what other people said while you were you personally were there, did you see anything or feel anything that made an impression on you? I did not, no. Um, I just, you know, kind of took in the beauty of the landscape. Um, I did a lot of exploring. Um, I, I, I felt its history, but in terms of something ghostly or paranormal, no, I did not. I, I actually had a ghostly experience there, and I'm the skeptic, so um, <laughs> when we were there, it was like 50, 60 degrees. It was like and, a really warm day when yeah. it was winter. Yeah, it was like yeah. November, but it, it was it was actually really warm, and that's why we picked that day, and uh, we were talking with actually Carl and Wendy. That's probably who you were talking with, Jack. Uh, out there yeah. by Batcher's Grove. Uh, we were talking with them, and as we were leaving, I stopped um, by the gate to leave, and uh, I looked down on the ground, and there was this puddle that I saw ice over right in front of my face, and it suddenly became, like, so cold you couldn't even tolerate the area. And then we walked, like, 15 feet, and it was already back to normal temperature. Definitely yeah. a microclimate. <laughs> it was definitely a, uh, you know, we, we went twice, I think, right? Um, different times. I do, I yeah. have a picture of a red ball, uh, but I think it was just like an ornament or a balloon <laughs> that was <laughs> captured up there. Um, but we, we, it was definitely, it, it, it has a very strange energy. Like that, I will absolutely give it. So It was very peaceful to me. Yeah. Scott, have you been there? No, and I'm never going. Yeah. I understand part of that place. I, you know, again, I tend to be skeptical, but I know too much about it. Mm -hmm. and, um, actually uh, there, there is a book that came out last year, which was haunted bachelor's Grove, And my sister-in-laws were over here at the house and, and I was talking to them about it and they're like, Oh, let's go over there. Let's <laughs> let's do all this stuff. And then, and then I pulled the book out and, and they started flipping through it. And, and the younger one just goes, forget it. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. I need a demon following me home. My life is bad enough as it is. I don't <laughs> well, I was there as a kid too, where uh, they, they had not um, trimmed up the landscaping over there. So it was like, first of all, you had to know where it was because you couldn't see the entrance way from the road you still can't but i mean you couldn't see the path at all from the road so you had to you had to have an idea of where it was in order to get in and then you pretty much uh are we're going to get torn up by a bunch of um branches and and there's fallen trees all over the place it was not someplace you would expect to see a cemetery i'll, I'll well, say that i will say i think people don't realize too it's the cemetery part of it is actually very small like Yes. Compared to what I was expecting it to be, it was like, oh, it's kind of like, almost like somebody's yard. Well, it's yard. no Rose Hill. Oh, it's no Rose Hill, right. <laughs> um, you know, it's much smaller than you think. Um, really, a lot of it, too, is the, the surrounding area. Um, and I will say, if you, if you are going to go, they're not open at night. Um, you have to go during the day. And uh, I actually do recommend going more in, like, the fall later fall or early spring um, because if you want to go walking in any of the other area it would be it, it's difficult enough to do when there's no leaves on the trees it would yes. be impossible to do I think any other time of year but. well and don't be surprised if you see Carl and Wendy out there barbecuing uh, yep that's how we met them they were barbecuing <laughs> they love that place um, Bob have you been I'm, I'm sure you 
I can't remember. Yeah, actually, um, funny enough, my mother was there back in the 70s. Wow. Well, my mom was a uh, paranormal investigator before, I guess, the name was even there. Before it was cool. I, I, something like that. Because, I mean, there were people before that. But she was there. And I remember her telling me about the farmhouse. And she had a photo. And it was an old Polaroid. You know, you got to shake the Polaroid, right? And she said she had the Polaroid of the farmhouse. And she swore, now, I don't know how true it was, because the Polaroid was long lost, that she'd actually see the farmhouse in a different position in this Polaroid. Wow. But I, you know, oh, I wow. can't, I can't confirm that. That's just the story, you know, but she told me when she was there, she felt like, she felt like as if something was like really latching onto her. Right. And something was really like kind of bumming her out and really kind of just making her feel emotional. So I said, you know, when I was a wee lad growing up and I was a little ghoul scout, if you will, and I was ready to go start doing my own investigations, that was one of the first places I went. And I will be completely honest with you. The first time I went, I got belligerently lost in the woods and I didn't find the cemetery for a long time. I paid a guy in the woods. It was me and a couple people. There was a dude in the woods walking around. He's like, hey, guys, you going to the cemetery? Yeah, man. And he, we gave him 10 bucks. And, he, you know, he was supposed to give us, uh, supposed to get us to the cemetery. He's like, oh, I, I think I'm lost, too. And he's like, hang out here. I'm going to go scout ahead. And he took off. And I lost my 10 bucks. Hey, Bob, <laughs> has your mom ever been on your show? Uh, no, I don't. I don't let that happen. Oh, okay. You don't want to cross those paths. No, my mom is a, uh, my mom's an OG when it comes to the paranormal stuff though. I'm yeah. like, I, I don't want to say I'm second generation, but she was a major, you know, like study or major player. Nah, yeah. Player, player. She never wrote a book or anything, world. but she was very smart and she knows her stuff and she was doing investigations and she likes to tell me about some of the equipment they were using. Cause like, they said like K2 Stones. meters, something like that, dowsing rods, <laughs> things like that. And it's kind of funny, like hearing her, you know, she'll watch the shows and stuff now. And she'll be like, wow, we never had anything like that. You know, we'd have to rig a uh, radio system together to play white noise constantly when we wanted to get a uh, ghost, you know, ghost box going. So wow. interesting. Yeah, well, Bob, no, it's th- actually great that we were talking with you because you're up next. Oh, am I? Where's yes. that hashtag Pat fact about cemeteries? Yes. So before I move on to the next <laughs> uh, panelist, Pat which is Pat Bob, fact. if you if you see the word wow on a gravestone, you have found the burial place of a former member of the Woodman of the World, an American fraternal <laughs> insurance company that was said to, <laughs> to have given <laughs> widows $100 and a free gravestone if the company logo was put on the stone. The wow emblem is a sawed off tree stump, often with a mallet, an ax, and a wedge. You ever oh. see that, Bob? I honestly don't think I've ever paid attention, but well, uh, now, I now. now I will. Do you all? off chance know how many are out there i don't know if you know that statistic i do not no these are just fun facts i don't okay. have nothing to back these up you're like the uh, paranormal <laughs> sample container right yeah i, I pop the lid and i get effect i'm interested about that now so bob as usual you yes. you always seem to come up with cool places that i have never heard of this one 
Actually, I was on your episode where we talked about this, and I just yes. realized that right now, Spidergate <laughs> Cemetery in Massachusetts. Yes. Uh, also known as the Quaker Cemetery. Yes. Hmm. So I knew Jack and Scott were coming on the show this uh, for this, and because I wanted to do Graceland, but I wanted them to be able to showcase Chicago stuff, and I didn't want to rain on that parade. So I was like, okay, let me do something a little different. It just so happens that I did an episode uh, about no, a month or so ago about the portals to hell, and one of which happened to be in this horrifying cemetery in the middle of the woods in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Now, this place was built back in the late 1700s, and what it is is it was a Quaker cemetery, and Quakers are a group of religious folk who do their thing and you know, and whatever. eat oatmeal. They eat oatmeal. Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks, Pat. Yeah. Now, the cemetery is shrouded not only in mystery but controversy because where the cemetery borderline is, it's literally right on the marker of the Worcester Airport. And if you step one foot over that line, the you know the feds are right there expecting you to be some sort of like person sneaking on airfields so if you were to go to the cemetery now and visit you not only have to ask the quakers to go because you're not i mean you can go but you're really supposed to ask the quakers for permission because if you park your car anywhere near there because they still like the ancestors down the line still live there if you don't have the quakers permission they're going to probably call the cops on you for trespassing on private property and then you should probably also let the faa know that you're going out there and if they see somebody trudging along in the woods and if you overstep your bounds you're not there trying to sneak onto an air you know uh, sneak onto a uh, airstrip that's the word i was thinking of so What's really cool about this place and what I found really fascinating is what you're greeted at at the door. There are these big, beautiful red, like wrought iron gates that are done in a circular pattern with a spider web coming off of them. Henceforth, the term, the uh, spider gate cemetery. And I'll get to why those are there. But the first time I saw them and before I found out the story behind them, they almost look like sigils. And what I mean by a sigil, it's something you you know you learn about in the occult and witchcraft. It's uh, it's it's a thing of power, right? It's a couple of different shapes put together, and you put empower it. And, and I that's thought what Harry Potter uh, went after, right? It, yes, yeah. you get the well, idea. Well, and we I think we established that Scott doesn't make sigils. <laughs> <laughs> no, so these um. <laughs> So you think about that, but come to find out there's a story behind it. We'll get there. Um, when you get to the cemetery, there are three points of interest. One is a tree dead set in the middle of the cemetery. And this tree is said to be a portal to hell. When you get there, there are different kinds of legends about how you're supposed to approach it. I actually interviewed a guy who was there, James, and he was telling me that there are three different kind of legends or four different kind of legends on like how to activate the portal. One is you're supposed to walk around the tree clockwise three times. One says you're supposed to walk counterclockwise six times. One was you had to walk six clockwise, walk counterclockwise six, and then knock on the stump six times. Wow. And 
apparently when you, you do, do the that, hokey pokey. Yeah. Well, I guess when <laughs> when a guy shows up in a black suit and a uh, you know big brim black hat and starts trying to barter for your soul, and the energy in that place is really, really thick and heavy. Now, my friend, when he went, he said he didn't want to mess with the tree at all, but I did see videos of people going out there and performing said rituals, and no no devil actually popped up. And they but didn't disappear or anything? No, nothing nothing bad happened. The, uh, the second thing is actually more wholesome than, you know, summoning the devil with a tree, and that is a gravestone belonging to Earl Marmaduke. If you go and kneel next to Earl's gravesite and says, Marmaduke, speak to me ten times, that Marmaduke himself will appear in his overalls and ask you where the cotton is. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, wow. he was a uh, he really he was a um Farmer. did a lot of work with cotton and whatnot, and then he also was uh, one of the big players in like the textile and stuff once upon a time ago. Ooh. The third thing's a little bit more scarier, and I think where the um, the concept of a portal to hell comes from, and that is off to the side of the cemetery. The legend states that there is a spot in the middle of a grouping of trees that is completely barren nothing can grow there no grass no wildlife but these trees kind of surround it and more or less protect it and it's said that there were satanic uh sacrifices happening on that altar in that section of the cemetery and henceforth why the you know, why they say it's a portal to hell there. And as far as the um, gates are concerned and why they're like that, that tree that I said that's actually the portal to hell, unfortunately, there's a legit, you know, sad ending to that. Back in the 1950s was when the gates were added, even though the cemetery has been around since the 1700s. There was a young man who went to that tree and actually hung himself. Ooh. And they, um, his parents actually wanted to kind of have some sort of memorial for him at the cemetery. So they got permission from the Quakers to do something. So the boy was, the boy and his family were like heavy Greek, you know, background culture and whatnot. Mm -hmm. and so the boy was actually named after a character in the story of Arachne which is a old Greek mythology poetry thing. And Arachne was the goddess that looked like spiders. So they decided to pay allegiance to Arachne and they decided to make these um, wrought iron fences that looked like spider webs. So no actual sigils. Now there are plenty of other weird stories that go on at the Spider Gate Cemetery. Everything from weird microclimates that would pop up at weird portions of the cemetery one minute they're there one minute they're not um people having panic attacks as soon as they entered there the one guy i interviewed said when he parked far away walk there and as he was walking he thought that he was hearing like people walking behind him and he's very you know he's from that area so he knows the wildlife and he's like i don't think that was a deer it seemed like somebody was following him kind of leading him trying to go away from said cemetery but he went and he said everything there was horrifying he said he felt like the energy there was crushing him and he said he stayed for five minutes and left 
And I find it really interesting that there is such an evil undertone to a place that was built by Quakers and the Quakers are pretty religious folk. So yeah, it's very, yeah, exactly. So it's pretty interesting that they, um, that that's what it was. Wow. Well, what was the episode that, that you did about this? That was portals to hell part one. Part one. Yes. The portals to hell part one. And that was, um, there's three things there, two of which were cemeteries and one was a drainage sewer pipe. If you remember that, but the, uh, this particular Spider Gate Cemetery, and there are so many different portals to hell, but this one's actually supposedly like the real deal, but nobody, I guess, knows the real way to walk around a tree or knock on it or whatever it has to be. And I feel like as time goes on, those stories will become more and more ridiculous and more and more uh, changing as the culture grows up and the kids grow up and there's new generation of kids that want to go investigate and you always hear these stories and I feel like that's those will keep adapting and changing in different ways. And soon enough, sure. people will be throwing pennies at the tree bark to try to summon Lucifer himself. I have a I question think, about that. Sure. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. So you said that one of the ways is to walk around it clockwise six times and then walk around it. Counterclock. And then you're only knocking three times? Six. Okay. 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 That makes okay. sense. Yeah. Yeah, my, so no, oh. it, yeah, it was uh, six, 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 and I, no, 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 no. You knock it out, Scott. You're not supposed to. So no, it's uh, like a college drinking game. That's what it I'm does, saying. Yeah. That's uh, that's exactly what it sounds like, and it sounds like. <laughs> It sounds like a really secluded cemetery that a group of people found a long time ago and it left some really creepy vibes and they decided to make up some urban legends about it. Do I believe in the Marmaduke story? Absolutely. That sounds great. Earl sounds like a cool character to interact with as far as ghosting is concerned. So, you know, maybe with a place like that, with all the energy hanging out around there and it being a part of the Commonwealth, and it being as really old as it is, so there's probably some residual energy hanging out there. And even though the story goes about the Arachne webs, you have to understand that it's still a weird part of sacred geometry, and there's definitely conducting something really strange there. When I make it out to Massachusetts, I'm going to be putting it on my list. But keep in mind, uh, Ghoul Scouts, when you want to go out there and check it out, make sure you ask the local Quakers, and then make sure you let the FAA know, because you're trudging dangerously on an airway, you know, airstrips and stuff. Uh, Jesse did ask if they're selling Ghoul Scout cookies. Because he said that you would make a killing on them. No, Ghoul Scouts is a um, is a term I use for the subgenre of my fan base that are looking to get into paranormal investigations oh. and stuff like that. I have the Children of the Night, which is my overall, and then there's you know the younger teenagers and stuff I see at panels that always ask me, "Well, how do you get into it?" And I just decided to call them the little Ghoul Scouts and the True Believers and. Yeah. The, the, the skeptic lights. <laughs> do you um is there do they still use the cemetery? No. It's okay. that's no. They it's so old and it's you know, it's one of those things where it's like that cemetery will be there through the end of, you know, time. Because it reminds me when you're talking about it, it actually um really connected me connected in my brain to Bachelor's Grove. Yeah, and that's you know, one that, you know, again, not used in there. There, so my my um, my brother, 
um, came with us and and we you know again were or, well part of this was him being out there on his own in the in the area and he found an area and I'm pretty sure we saw it too where there's no no trees like it's not quite barren and it doesn't have quite the the sinister devil vibe but um, but it's it's really weird where you're there's just not the same growth that there is everywhere else and so just that I just when you said that I connected it to that so it was just kind of like just a weird area, a lot of odd energy. And and that's what I attest to it. There, No doubt in my mind, as far as, you know, hauntings are concerned, that this place is definitely a, um, you know, a telltale sign of it being haunted. It's got all the, you know, the right tropes to it and old creepy cemetery built in the 1700s. It's got all these mm -hmm. stories to it. Now, sometimes these stories really adapt into things that are completely insane, mm -hmm. but you know, the fact of the matter is that there's probably things hanging out there that just want to be left alone, <laughs> to be yeah. completely frank. And then instead, they got to see uh, knocking on, um, you know, knocking on trees to try to summon some guy in uh, a suit to come barter with your soul. And it's not with a fiddle contest either. I wish nice. cultism was that easy that you could just knock on trees. Uh, yeah, you're telling me. I um dealing with the practitioners in the the occulty world. I wish anything all I had to do to summon a ghost was to knock on some tree bark, and that's what would happen. Right. All right. Um. So I guess we should move on. Uh. Scott. Scott did post a link to um, the, uh, Ghoul Scouts <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> if, if anybody. Looks is interesting. Yeah. The artist on that is Steve Bryant. I don't know if he's a writer or not. He's another um, Chicago area comic creator. And so when you said Ghoul Scouts, I'm like, wait a second. I know wait a minute. Oh, was he at C2E2 last time? He's always at C2E2. So. I, I, think, I think we met him. Because I remember talking to someone, and I remember Ghoul Scouts now from that. That sounds familiar. That might be where the name came that. from. It just popped up to me in a panel once, and I hmm. used it ever since. I see. You might want to be careful about that. You might get charged every time you use it. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 I will pitch his book 100%. <laughs> you might want to read it first. Yes, oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right. So I have my last fun fact. Pet fact. About, <laughs> pet fact about cemeteries. So we, can't, we cannot be sure exactly when we started burying our dead. But we have evidence that points back to over... 130,000 years ago. Burying the dead is perhaps the earliest form of religious practice and suggests people were concerned about what happens after death. There's evidence that Neanderthals buried their dead along with tools and bones. Interesting. So, yeah, the idea of cemeteries has been around forever. And speaking of a very old cemetery, representing ghostly, Rebecca is going to talk about Glass, Glasnevin, yes. Glasnevin, that's how we decided we're going to pronounce it, Glasnevin Cemetery <laughs> in Dublin. Yes. So, uh, so this, so you guys, uh, Bob, you talked about an episode that you've um, that you've done in the past. Uh, we are actually researching right now our next episode, which is going to be um, uh, on Dublin and hauntings in Dublin. So I thought I should look up a haunted cemetery in Dublin for this episode. Um, so yeah, Glasnevin. I I cannot do an Irish accent. 
So that's just, yeah, can't do it. I apologize. Uh, but this one, it's, so now, here's my other, I was uh, making connections in my head. So Rose Hill, when you're talking about Rose Hill, reminded me a lot of what I found for, um, for Glasnevin. Um, so it was opened in 1832. Uh, it was the first Irish cemetery where Catholics were expressly allowed to bury and memorialize their dead. It was non-denominational, so everyone was welcome. Uh, Daniel O'Connell was the person who pushed for this cemetery, and he was buried there in 1847. Um, and there's actually this really big uh, structure that comes out of his tomb now. It's uh, O'Connell Tower, which is 168 feet above the ground. Wow. Um, it was damaged during the Troubles, um, but it is now reopened to the public, though I'm assuming not at this moment, um, but is technically something you could go see. Um, so now this is the craziest thing. Uh, and actually, Scott, I wondered if uh, how this compares to Rosell. They claim that there are over 1.5 million people buried in this cemetery, 124 acres. Now, 800,000 of those are in a mass, unmarked mass grave from um, like a famine and a pandemic, things like that. So how does that compare, Scott, to um, Rose Hill or Grace, Grace Lynn? I, as far as the number of people who are buried, mm -hmm. um, I don't have an exact number for the people at Rose Hill. Actually, I, I thought of a really funny story, though. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't want to take away from your time. So go ahead and talk, <laughs> and then I'll tell okay. the story afterwards. Let's see. Okay. Um, but it was so, so it's big. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of people there, and it's still used. It's still an active cemetery. Um, people, you know, they, they are still being, um, being buried there. Um, so, sorry, let me look at my notes here. Make it a little easier to see. Um, all right, so there are um, there's an annual blessing that still happens every summer um, since it opened in 1832. Um, there's several notable figures there. Uh, a lot of them are Irish that you know we may not know them uh, as much here in the U.S. But Michael Collins, we've probably have heard of him. He was sounds a Irish. <laughs> well he was there was a movie about him like he's a nationalist hero uh that was killed oh, okay. during the irish civil war in 1922 liam neeson, wasn't it mm -hmm. liam neeson i think so yeah mm -hmm. wow um and then luke Kil luke kelly the lead singer of the dubliners oh so, yeah yeah there you go because people might know that um so other interesting mass grave this is this was weird. And again, I think there might've been a movie in here too. Um, in, um, in 1993, a mass grave at the site of the Magdalene laundry was found where it was like an, in one of those institutes for like fallen women back in the day. Um, that was a convent. Um, and they would bury um, the remains of, of, of girls maybe died in childbirth or whatever, and just unmarked, you know, mass grave. So that once, once that was found, those bodies were moved to Glasnevin um, and buried there. So again, I think that's worth all the, how they, that's how they get their numbers. Um, no, they, is they, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, and then in the, this was interesting though, in the 19th century, um, they built a mobile watchtower to watch out for grave uh, robbers. Wow. So, you know, because as we know, they would, you know, a lot of grave robbers for the bodies themselves and things in the, in the grave. So they would actually move the tower to each new section as they were, 
um, burying people in the cemetery. Uh, there are, I mean, I could go on and on and on. There are endless stories. Obviously, this is a huge cemetery and a lot um, has happened there over the years. Um, uh, interestingly, the cemetery has its own museum and runs its own tours. Uh, and the museum also has a cafe. So, I mean, this is a cemetery. It's got it's got a lot going on, um, but there are some ghost stories. Uh, I will say the accounts, um, the people that talk about being there, that even if they see anything ghostly, they, um, unlike a lot of the stories we've had tonight, they feel the energy there is very benevolent. Um, I think that because it was such a positive thing to open this cemetery for the country, you know, anything, all the reading that I did about it, you know, it was just something that, um, you know, a lot of people had felt before this cemetery that they couldn't practice their religion uh, when they bury their loves, loved ones. Um, and once this cemetery opened, it was for anyone and everyone. And, you know, you could, you could, you know, it wasn't just the Catholics, it was, you know, but anyone who wanted to, to, um, kind of be buried somewhere and, and, and not be bothered um, for their religion. So I think that maybe has helped with that kind of benevolent energy. Um, so the probably the big famous ghost story um, that is here, interestingly, is a ghost pet story, which we just did a ghost pet episode. So I promise I didn't plan it that way, but I thought that was interesting. So there is a ghost dog. Um, and... Um, so when, let's see here, this is from shamrockgift.com. Uh, when the Northern Irish Royal Navy Captain John McNeil Boyd went down with his ship, so there's a whole story with his ship going down, uh, the HMS Ajax in 1861, it said that his dog, a big Newfoundland, was beside uh, itself with grief. So when Boyd was buried at Glasnevin, um, the dog stayed at the graveside of his master. Um, he refused to eat um you know drink sleep um unfortunately he he died of a broken heart basically um at his master's grave and um so today many cemetery visitors report seeing a, the huge loyal creature um resting peacefully at that spot so that was um yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. Um, but again, you know, kind of, again, not a scary ghost, you know, there's kind of a positive uh, energy. Um, and then most of the other ghost stories are actually not in the cemetery proper, but in the pub <laughs> that is, shares a wall with the cemetery. Like it is right there. It is it kind of almost on the property, but not just on the other side. Uh, yeah. Spirits on spirits. Spirits on spirits. Yeah. Spirits yep, there you go. There you and go. I think you're getting these stories in on a technicality, but I'm going to hey. let this slide. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so this is Kavanaugh's pub. It's been in the family like almost, I mean, a really like a hundred years or something. It's, it's, it's a really old pub, wow. um, but it's actually nicknamed the Grave Diggers Pub because the grave diggers from the cemetery would go there Um and that's where they would, uh, uh, you know, have their, their break. Um, there's also stories of how they would actually, like, go to the wall of the bar and be like, knock, knock, knock. And then there was, like, a secret door. <laughs> they could, like, pass them drinks, like, through the cemetery <laughs> wall. 
Now, uh, you know, there's no proof of that, um, but uh, you know, that's the that's the story. It's it it's pretty close to the cemetery, so the the current owners are like, I'm pretty sure they probably just would have like walked over, but it, you know, it, it was interesting. Um, but okay, so. Um, the most popular story is the ghost of an older gentleman who sits in a corner, quietly drinking a pint. Um, visitors to the pub claim that he wears vintage clothes and vanishes as soon as he finishes his drink. Um, but then I actually found a story from one of the current um, owners that At Atlas Obscura um, posted about. Um, it said, let's see, the years that Eugene ran the pub, a repeat ghost, the man in Tweed, visited. Sometimes Eugene had to shuffle out stragglers in the wee hours of the night when the bar was closing. On one of these nights, the man in Tweed appeared uh, for what would be the first of several times. Eugene yelled at the boys to get back to their homes when they retorted that it was unfair that the old guy at the other end of the bar got to stay nursing his Guinness. At first, Eugene thought the lads were just being drunk and silly. He claims that he knew every pint he'd served that night, especially in the waning last few hours. Uh, I'd have served him the pint and I haven't served anyone a Guinness, he'd say. Um, you know, look, there's no one here. And sure enough, no one was, but an empty pint of Guinness sat on the bar. Um, the boys would ha have uh, described what he looked like, uh, a little pointy beard and a wristwatch with a chain that led to his waistcoat, um, a real Victorian look. So that's kind of the big famous story. Um, there's one other one um, from, again, the family of owners. Um, this is Anne, and she's the current, well, or at least when the story was written, the front house manager. Um, but when she was 17, um, she tells the story that this was back when the family lived in a small second floor flat above the original bar. She was just falling asleep when she saw a young girl with brown curly hair perched at the foot of her bed. I kept thinking or kept blinking and blinking and realized quickly that I was still awake and said, there she was in a white, white, white uh. ghost. Yes. All the women in white tonight. Women in white. There she was, a white nightdress with a frilly collar, puffed up shoulders and long sleeves. She just smiled at me and then she was gone. There was no way that apparition was the product of one too many pints either. I didn't drink until I was in my 30s, she adds. So there was no relation to drinking. She claims. Wow. So there you go, guys. Yeah. Does anybody have any questions for Rebecca? Bob, go it's ahead. It's not much of a question as is a comic because we were talking before the show started and talking about like the sheer sizing of how many bodies are buried there, right? Yeah. So I pulled up some numbers just in comparison. So Scott was talking about Rose Hill Cemetery earlier. They claim to have over only 100,000 graves. Um, Graceland is that including the ones from um, um, the old city cemetery i'm not sure i'm just i just quickly pulled up numbers because i know that they got thousands from there so are you sure i thought those went to graceland i thought they uh, went to both i thought they were shared graceland and rose well, we know some of them were left okay behind. i could be wrong yeah so uh graceland has a confirmed this is an exact number fifty-three thousand four hundred twenty-five graves wow and wow. so I was like, those numbers don't even come anywhere near what's going on in Ireland. So I just got curious and I typed in 
uh, biggest cemetery in North America, in America. And they came up the Calvary Cemetery in Queens, in New York City. Mm. And they say they have a potential of 151,965 graves that are actually graves. And they said that in comparison to memorials, they said they can have anywhere up to about 900,000 to a million like memorial things so park benches or a plaque Mm. or something but no actual body buried there well and you know that might be part of this as well because they do they actually have a crematorium on site sure um and so it could be too there's that they're counting like plaques or you know something like that too the reason why it blew my mind that that there's just that many people there is you would think this would be like one of the most haunted spots in the world right and the the stories about the bar are wholesome i love a good haunted bar story that's like my favorite stuff in the world (laughs) but you would think that there's more kicking around that cemetery than just the dog yeah and and i could not find one and it might relate to the fact that the irish people don't really buy into stuff like that too much because ghosts are very much a uh we don't talk about that when you Mm -hmm. die catholicism you die you go there Mm -hmm. you're not sticking around here so i maybe that's part of it but man i'm really interested in it because i never heard about it until you brought it up Mm -hmm. the ghost dog was the best though thank you it is really good well but and 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 actually again also scott too with rosell um and i'm sure graceland is similar it was built as a um, based on French um, design, the idea of it being a park and a place where people would go and picnic and spend the day, and you know that it was it was definitely you know that that you know nineteenth century ideal you know yeah, um, place I, to go. I I don't know if they wanted to pe- people to actually picnic there, but people mm. did. Yeah, and I think that's what what it, what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I guess, what this place is like, too. It's really interesting. Again, there's so many stories, I mean, and it's connected to, there. there's a woman buried there who's, like, over 100, and someone that was, uh, the, um, the first boy, their first person buried there was a young boy, and, and anyway, they're just, there's a lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of um, really interesting um, uh, tombs and gravestones and all of that so i've been yeah, to dublin and i have not been to this cemetery so but it's, it's kind of i think it's a little bit obviously it's a little bit outside you know kind of the main part of of town and it there's actually they built there's a whole separate new section that they built that's really where the majority of um do you um do you suppose that was like the traditional cemetery where most people probably were buried I think so. I think it's still, I mean, I don't know if it's, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say. I'm sure there's more than one cemetery, but that sounds like it's the, the main yeah. plot. Well, there is, so of course, of course, like this is the one that shows up as like, when you search like haunted Dublin, right? Like this, this definitely shows up on all the lists. Um, but there is a, another cemetery that of course the name is escaping me right now um, that I also found that does have um, some hauntings in it as well. So I don't know if there's. Thank they they know they have sharing. more than one. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. I had no idea. Uh, Robert well, Irving. Have uh, seen oh, go that, ahead, Jack. Um, Sorry. You guys probably have seen that, uh, you know, uh, black and white photos of people, you know, picnicking in cemeteries. I, it was a pretty common thing back then. Um, if you guys haven't, or any, if any listeners haven't seen these photos, 
you know, type it in Google. It's really fascinating seeing people picnic in cemeteries. It was a popular pastime. Yeah. Yeah, and Carl and Wendy still do it, Bachelors Grove. So yeah, right. They barbecue. <laughs> we did get um, a YouTube question. Yeah. Oh, do you want to ask? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Robert uh, was wondering um, if anyone has heard of the Greenwood Cemetery in Decatur, Illinois, that supposedly it is haunted. He went to Millican University, which he is, uh, says is also haunted. Um, but supposedly there's a couple of Civil War um, soldier ghosts there. So this is Greenwood Cemetery in Decatur. Couldn't even tell you where Decatur's at, to be completely honest. Uh, <laughs> I have been to Decatur, but, <laughs> but I have not been to, to Greenwood, so. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, though, that you hear about, like, Civil War ghosts in that neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to grave sites out in, like, Peoria and whatnot, and it's not uncommon to find Civil War markings. And even when I was just at, um, I wasn't just at it, but even when I was at Graceland back in, like, March, you even saw, like, Civil War-esque time frame grave sites there as well. So doesn't surprise me that a Civil War ghost is kicking around a place like that. Right. Well, speaking of war, uh, we have one final question, and then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Memorial Day was a few weeks ago, and Independence Day is coming up. Uh, this is from Jesse. Uh, any stories about Arlington? Yes. Can you elaborate more? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for other people to say it. Oh, okay. Arlington, um, I've read into it, and Arlington is considered one of the most haunted cemeteries in the world. Nice. Because no, of. I said I said one of. I didn't say the most haunted. <laughs> I said one of. And the idea, the most famous one is the guard that will march up and down the um the grow the rows. There's the story of um I don't know the name, it's just it I'm drawing a blank because I wasn't expecting this, but there is a story of a famous watchman during the night that will march up and down the uh, grave rows just keeping watch. And the idea is that the people that get buried in Arlington, you know, a lot of them have really tragic endings and they don't really have closure on exactly where they're going or what they're doing. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that stuff like that exists. And the one story, like I said, I know there's more, but the one that comes to mind is the night watchman who uh, stands guard and he's in his uniform and everything. And sounds like he was just doing his job. Anyone else have any Arlington stories? Well, I'm just going to say Greenwood, man, a quick Google search of that. You get a lot of uh, haunted, haunted stuff um, for that. Uh, haunted Illinois looks like uh, Troy Taylor has done. He's a paranormal guy around here, right? He's done some, some investigating there. Um, yeah. 18. Uh, yeah. Another 1800s. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, we're going to have to investigate that one. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for that, Robert. <laughs> Maybe a future episode. Yeah. So I want to thank all of our viewers for participating. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this panel. I also want to thank all the panelists. This was, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, let's start with Scott. Scott, what do you have going on? Um, yeah, I'm still producing my comic book. Uh, the comic is called Visitation. And where could they find that at, like online? Uh, they would have people can email me at visitationscomicbook 
which is all one word. That's V-I-S-I-T-A-T-I-O-N-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-B-O-O-K at gmail.com. Awesome. Okay. Um, I would suggest you find me on social media, but um, I'm off of social media completely right now. Oh. I saw one meme too many, and I'm just like, I'm out of here. So, <laughs> Peace out, I'm out. Yeah, these are really rough times. On yeah, social media. it's just I, I want no part of it. Um, but um, you can always uh, – people are free, are free to send me a note through uh, Messenger on Facebook. Um, I do have a Facebook page. It's Scott Larson Illustration on Facebook. And uh, my Instagram is like Scott J. Larson Art or something like that. Awesome. I found you. If they, okay. if they, if they take a look at our post on Ghostly, they'll, they'll okay. see your tag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack, how about you? What do you have going on and where can they find you? Uh, sure. So I have, um, you could find me at uh, just my email. It's Jack C, like the letter C, Jack C4488 at yahoo.com. Um, I don't have a, a website or anything like that. But um, yeah, I have, uh, <laughs> I have a, uh, a uh, we have an investigation coming up uh, July 11th at uh, uh, Lake, the old Lake County Jail or Crown Point Jail. It's a oh, jail that cool. John Dillinger has escaped from. Um, so we will be investigating that July 11th. And then we will be in uh, Freeport, Illinois, I believe, in early August. Um, you can email me for details. Um, Freeport, Illinois at the Masonic Temple. We'll be investigating that as well. And then... Um, we have a couple have a couple presentations and uh, and other investigations coming up. Um, uh, I'm currently writing a book, and uh, so you know, if you want to email me, you know, when that comes out, you could do that. So I'm still working on it. Um, and yeah, other than that, I I just want to say I really appreciate you guys inviting me on, uh, especially with uh, with Scott. You know, Scott, I'm a fan of your work and stuff. So uh, it was awesome to talk to you and be able to ask you a question and. And thanks to everybody for letting me on. Awesome. Thank you for coming on, Jack. Uh, Bob, what's going on with Bob After Dark? What are you Man, doing? I am grounded still. I'm not in the studio. What you see is what you get. This is my studio right now. I'm still locked out. Do you have your studio. proton pack there? I do, actually. It's real, right? It's right there. It's a prop pad. Oh, okay. Um. So what you see is what you get. Uh, the show's still coming out weekly. I, uh, damned and determined i'll still bring that show out every week um you can find me wherever you listen to podcasts at my newest episode just came out today on siren head the uh the nowadays slender man online scary phenomena um i actually took that uh, episode as a um, request i was helping out a fan's little boy son really scared of this thing so i had to come forth and uh put lay down some truths and help the sun get some sleep at night wow. uh, so you guys could check that episode out that's out wherever you listen to podcasts at um you can follow me bob after dark on all your major social medias and um unfortunately you can't find me at your local convention there's no local conventions going on but yeah. as soon as they come back you can catch me at your local your convention wherever it might be in the world i do that so awesome and finally rebecca uh, what do we have going on on Ghostly? Oh, like, I well, don't even remember. 
I don't know. No, we, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, we have this, uh, this has been super fun. Um, and then, um, we are continuing our episodes every, every other week. We've got one coming up, uh, this next week on Wednesday, uh, as I mentioned, it's going to be on Dublin, haunted Dublin. So we're going to have some, some spooky stories, uh, from the city It's kind of a, a new concept for our episodes. Uh, and our most recent one that we just did was on the bell, Witch. so you can go listen to that right now. Uh, if you're interested, I have been reading creepy stories on YouTube. Um, though it's been a few weeks, I apologize. It's just gotten kind of busy at work and, um, you know, in the world. Um, but, uh, I am, I'm definitely hoping to get back to it, uh, soon. Um, and where can they find you, Rebecca? Uh, 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 well, they can find me on anything ghostly podcast, right? So on any of your social medias, we are at ghostly podcast. Uh, and then that includes YouTube, right? YouTube.com slash ghostly podcast. Um, yeah. And also they can go to ghostlypodcast.com. Yes. And check out episodes and, Buy ghostly gear and all that fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I say one one real quick thing Uh, for the viewers at home. If you guys haven't checked out Ghostly's episode of The Bell Witch, you need to. It's their best episode they ever put out. It blows my mind how like much research goes went into that episode. I followed that story since I was a kid. It's my favorite paranormal story of all time. And Pat and Rebecca did that story justice. So you guys really, if you didn't get a chance to check out that episode, go do it. It's their finest work. Wow. Thank you very much. Well, thank much. you so much. Cause you also did an episode on the bell, Witch. I did. And mine's really good too. You can check that yes. out. It's on yes, um, it wherever you listen to podcasts at it's, it's <laughs> about several months ago at this point. It's but, the 11th episode, I believe. Right. Uh, thanks, Pat. I didn't even know that. There you go. <laughs> Somehow that just stuck in my head. I have yeah. weird facts in my head, like cemetery facts. Bat facts. Bat Bat facts. facts. Well, I right. say, and also, pl- definitely check out Scott's visitations. Like, yes. it's, if you like Chicago stuff, like seriously, because I we didn't get into like the whole concept of it. You know, other than it's the characters are based on these you know different cemetery pieces, but um, but they investigate things that are made up, but also based on real chicago history and it's very very cool so if you're interested in that i that's my recommendation well maybe we'll have to get scott on another show for him to talk about that then (laughs) all right awesome well thank you guys so much uh until next time stay ghostly good night everybody bye bye